Well, I do want to begin with Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry if I'm a little percussive here. Uh, I want to begin with Luke 10 verse 29 where Hayden left off this morning. I'm actually going to read this in a little bit different version. Uh, Not terribly different from what most of your translations might be, but uh, this is the common English Bible. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right. So he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan who was on a journey came to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two full days worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? Then the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So, I had a message prepared. Not completely finalized, but prepared. I had a few notes to make, as I always do on Saturday night. A few thoughts that come to me at, we might say, the 11th hour. And next week, I'll present that message. A message from some of the middle chapters of the book of Acts, continuing our walk through some of what the earliest of Christians experienced. But then, of course, as Lee mentioned in his prayer this morning, last night happened. I don't know how many of you, like us, were glued to the news for a while. And, of course, it's one thing when it's in Atlanta or Minneapolis or Los Angeles. But then we were seeing it on... Channel 2 and Channel 4 and Channel 5, weren't we, church? It was happening on streets that many of us have been on. And I don't know about you, 
But I was mad. I was absolutely mad. And all I could think was, what is this going to accomplish? What in the world is this going to accomplish? Breaking windows? Smashing police cruisers? What? You know, there, there was supposed to be a peaceful protest. And then finally, late last night, I, I saw the... I even said to Stacy, I said, I wonder if this, you know, I, obviously, sarcastically, I wonder if this is what the protest organizers had in mind when they got this thing together. And it wasn't five minutes later that the news was showing a statement from the protest organizer saying we do not condone this activity. We do not condone property damage. We do not condone vandalism. And I went out as I do late at night and I went for a walk. Wheels turning as they always are between my ears. But last night, turning a bit faster than usual. I was probably walking at a bit of a faster pace just to kind of blow off the steam of my anger. And then walking behind a group of houses that I've been walking behind late at night for the last seven plus years, something strange happened. Somebody shined a flashlight on me. And I thought, well, that's weird. I don't know if somebody that lives not that far from me was just a bit on edge because of what was going on on the news. I don't know. His dogs were barking, but his dogs have been barking at me every night for the last I don't know how long. Maybe the year and a half, two years that this particular guy has lived in this house. But on this particular night, he decided to put a flashlight on me. And I got to tell you, church, that was a strange sensation. That was a strange feeling. But then once he saw who it was, because after all, he and I have had a dialogue before, an exchange before when he's been in his backyard when I've been walking through at night. And then he turned off the flashlight. All was well. I went on my way. I got back to the house and turned on news in my kitchen. And the news wasn't any better. They'd just gone to different cities. But then I got to thinking. I'm a white guy living in a white town. What if when that flashlight hit me, my skin had been a different color? What if I had been black? What if I had been brown? Would the flashlight have gone off of me quite as quickly as it did? I don't know. Because I'm not. 
I am who I am. But that allowed me enough of an experience to wonder how it might have been different if I had been born differently. If I had been born in a different family. Maybe if I had been born in a different place. And then I think about what Jesus is saying here. Because the priest passes by. And then the Levite passes by. Now, in the Jewish community, it didn't get any more upstanding than a priest and a Levite. That was as good as it got. And Jesus knew that. Don't think that his story didn't have a point, church. It's no accident that the good guy in the story is a Samaritan. And it's hard for us to relate to a couple thousand years later how much the Jews looked down on the Samaritans, how much the Jews despised the Samaritans. Because if it's a Jew holding that flashlight and it's a Samaritan who's walking behind that house late at night, especially when the Jewish community might have been a little bit more on edge. I promise you there's going to be some animosity. What is that dadgum Samaritan doing this close to my house? What is he up to? What in the world is going on here? And so, we have all these hospitals and schools around the country named for the Good Samaritan. But to really put it in the context of our current social structure, in the races that inhabit the United States of America today, it would be like saying good black guy hospital or good brown guy school because that's what's going on when Jesus tells the story he's saying that former Jewish race that started marrying those people around them those former Jews that did what they were not supposed to do according to the law of Moses, but yet still read the law of Moses and adhere to the law of Moses and, and then they worship in a different place because they have their mountain and we have Jerusalem and, and man, what a bunch of scoundrels. Boy, their ancestors did wrong. And they married those people that were outside of our culture, outside of our race, outside of our faith tradition. 
What a bunch of lowlifes. And so they were looked down upon. They were despised. And you might be sitting here this morning saying, Well, Greg, I don't despise black people and I don't despise brown people. And I believe you. I hope not. I want to read, though, from Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So all those people last night, smashing windows, smashing police cruisers, in some cities setting them on fire, destroying a police station in one city, Reminds me of a mission trip I was supposed to take to Jamaica some years ago. And then civil unrest broke out about the time we were supposed to buy plane tickets. And my elders called me into a meeting and said, we're pulling the plug on this Jamaica trip. It's just, you're taking other people's kids down there. It It was a great plan. We know you've worked hard on this, but it's just too risky. And in my mind, I thought, boy, that something like that wouldn't happen in our backyard, would it? It was easy to distance myself. And of course, I know there have been riots in the United States. I've not been near them. I wasn't alive during a time that some of them took place. Or I was very young and have no memory of that in the news coverage. But then here it is, going on. And having a son who lives in Nashville, I even wondered, is this going to get anywhere close to his neighborhood? And grateful for that reporter that last night who said, and I know it was a reference to Rome is burning, he said, folks, I know it looks like Nashville is burning. And he said, but this is just one concentrated area of our city. This is just downtown and I was relieved relieved because for so long last night I had been so angry what good is this going to accomplish I kept asking this is not going to get them what they want And then it hit me. 
when a guy in Georgia was shot while he was out jogging. I didn't get this angry. When you see that footage of somebody's knee in George Floyd's neck and him saying, I can't breathe. I didn't get near that angry. I was more angry over smashed windows than I was the loss of human life. And that's when my God, that's when my Savior said, Greg, shame on you. You're angry about the wrong stuff. And all I can say to that is, God, forgive me. Is violence a good idea? No. Is smashing windows and burning police cruisers to be condoned by the Christian community? Absolutely not. But we, if we're going to have the eyes of our Creator, the eyes of our Savior, we are going to be people who value human life regardless of its color, far more than we will ever value property. Those are the people that God is calling us to be. The preacher of the Hohenwald Church of Christ included. May God forgive us. And it's not an easy teaching. And it's why when, if you've been watching the YouTube messages in recent weeks, it's why when they got to that upper room prior to Pentecost, that the believers numbered just over a hundred. Because many of them had been there when Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount recorded in Matthew, or the Sermon on the Plain, recorded in Luke 6. Many of them had been there, and they'd listened to the teaching, and they said, who in the world can follow this? The people that had come before Jesus claiming to be the Messiah, I'm sure had a much easier message, a much more attractive message. And they were proven to be false teachers. They were proven to be imposters. And then along comes Jesus, the guy who wouldn't stay dead. And when we look at his teaching, we see how challenging it is. And so I praise you for being here this morning. I praise you for the time that you've spent staring at a screen in the last couple of months. Yes, the teachings of Jesus are hard sometimes. The teachings of Jesus are challenging. Why? Because it goes against the grain of who we are 
given to our own devices. And Jesus addresses that. He says, if you're, if you're kind to the people that you already like, that you're already friends with, what's the big deal there? Even the lowest of sinners can do that. But be kind to the people that are nothing like you. Be kind to the people who you would consider your enemies. And at the end of the day, value that which is created in the image of God far more than you value anything else on the planet. May God help us to get there, church family. If you are with us this morning and you feel compelled to respond in some way, then we offer an invitation.